Hey there, I'm Heather Mulder, a former AmLaw 100 partner who, just five years into my legal career, found myself questioning, why work so hard to barely be squeezing life in? So that I wouldn't become yet another attorney burnout statistic, I decided to redefine success on my terms from the inside out, which is what enabled me to build a profitable legal practice while navigating my way through the challenges of two kids and two bed rests, the 2008 financial crisis, and a battle with breast cancer. What I learned is that you can build a successful legal career without sacrificing your health or personal happiness. And I'm on a mission to help you do exactly that. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both law and life. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Welcome to the Life in Law Podcast. This is your host, Heather Mulder, and I'm really excited because we have our first official guest of season two, <laughs> Davina Frederick, and I'm going to just let you introduce yourself. Welcome, Davina. I'm so excited to have you. Hi, Heather. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. You were a guest on the Wealth Woman Lawyer podcast, and I was so delighted to have you. We had such a great conversation that we knew we needed to continue it. So I appreciate you inviting me and us having another great conversation today. I am Davina Frederick, and I am the founder and CEO of Wealthy Woman Lawyer. Wealthy Woman Lawyer is a coaching business for women law firm owners in scaling their law firms to and through a million dollars with total ease. So we really work as your law firm growth strategist. We help you come up with a strategy and then help guide you through the process of scaling your business to and through a million dollars, if that is your goal. And I'm also the author of two books, two in the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Guide series. There are more coming, but the first one is about marketing and the second one is about systems. We cover all things necessary to help this law firm owners scale their businesses to $3 million. And I'm also uh, the founder of the Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast. A lot of people know me from that. So I think that gives you sort of the basics of who I am and what I'm doing today. <laughs> I am a Florida licensed attorney and have been, oh my gosh, I think we're coming up on my 15th anniversary uh, and I've been coaching for nine years. So obviously you didn't always coach. And when you started your legal career, you probably didn't even envision coaching, right? Right. Well, I actually had a career. I, I have reinvented myself multiple times. I actually was a professional marketer for about 15 years before I went to law school and became an attorney. I didn't go to law school until I was in my late 30s. And I became an attorney uh, around the age of 40. And I began uh, and I went to law school with it in mind that I would start my own law firm when I graduated. That was my goal in going to law school. I wanted to, I had had a business before um, of my own that, and I really had the entrepreneurial bug. And so I went with that in mind and I opened my own law firm right out of law school. So I've had like three different iterations of my law firm. And then a few years later, I started a virtual firm in 2011. I started a virtual firm. And that was before virtual firms were a thing. And I had that about right. six years. So I, my journey as a lawyer has been really interesting. And I'm, I'm so curious and want to know how to do many different things. And I have many different dreams. And I'm always willing to jump in and try something and see if I like it. That's unique for lawyers, I think. <laughs> Most lawyers kind of go in and think, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm always going to do. And in my experience, at least, 
the vast majority of lawyers, and this is not all, but many, are very risk averse. And so they're, they are not as into change and adopting that entrepreneurial mindset, which they don't realize they can kind of change how they think and, and get there. So it's really interesting that you were that way to begin with, although I guess it's really not a surprise given that you didn't start out as a lawyer. You started out in another field and then decided. So what what made you want to be a lawyer in the first place? Like, How did that bug get planted? Well, here's what's, here's what's really interesting about that. I have one family member, it's a cousin, who is an attorney. And uh, he had a very long road to becoming an attorney and absolutely loved it and was always talking to me about it. So I'd always kind of had it in my mind. He was a big influence over me when I was t- a teenager. He's uh, about nine years older than I am. And I, he's really like a brother to me. But I got a degree in journalism and I lived in a town where it was like a one newspaper town, even though it's a pretty big town. And that's Orlando and the Orlando Sentinel for people who live here. And at that time, I just knew like, uh, of, you know, being right out of journalism school that I probably wouldn't be able to get a job there. And so I wound up getting a job as a professional writer in an engineering company in their marketing department. And that led to this kind of career in marketing. And I worked for uh, the largest law firm in Central Florida in marketing after that. And then I worked for an agency. I had kind of reached a point in my career where I was working for an agency and I absolutely loved it. But things changed with the agency and I had an opportunity. I met my current husband, my my husband, my second husband, and hopefully will continue to be my husband. Uh, we've been, we're, we're about to celebrate 19 years by next weekend. So we're doing congratulations. Um, but I met him and he was an entrepreneur. And it, oh, and so I just love that. He really had an influence over me. And he, when we moved in together and got married, he said, you know, you can do anything. He had a multi-million dollar business at that time. And he said, you can do anything you want to do. So what do you want to do? I did a very lawyer-like thing. I made a chart. I made a <laughs> matrix. I had data, you know, and I did yep. all of this, you know, do I want to do this career or that career or this career? And I I wound up just deciding that I had an opportunity to go to law school and I wanted to take advantage of it. And I absolutely, well, law school was really hard for me because I'm really con- conscientious and I was that little kid in kindergarten where the teacher would write, Davina is very conscientious. That was me. Okay. So I read all the cases plus the case notes plus, you know, it, so it was a very stressful time for me. I gained about 30 pounds in law school. I turned 40, a lot of things going on there. And, but I love the intellectual pursuit. So I fell in love with the intellectual pursuit. I loved reading the cases and discussing the law and learning how we got here and the complexity of the legal world that we live in that we don't even realize we live in. I'm very grateful for that experience. But as you know, every stage of pursuing being a lawyer, from studying for the LSAT to going to law school, just preparing for the bar and sitting for the bar, and then ultimately to starting a career and then starting a business, all every stage requires different skill sets. I did not take an easy path. I thought in my mind, having had business experience before, had a lot of marketing experience, that starting my own practice right out of law school would not be that difficult. Of course, I didn't take into account that I was still a baby lawyer and had to actually learn how to be a lawyer, as well as learn how to be a fully faceted business owner. 
not just one who can bring in business, you know? And so it turned out to be very, very challenging for me in those years. But I bet you learned so much. Oh, I did. I did. I absolutely did. For me, the legal career was really about serving others and was very uh, meaningful for me while I did that full time. But eventually I decided to make a change. One thing you said that I want to highlight is this whole, oh, I thought it would be easy. And I think this is something that a lot of lawyers fall prey to. We think that because we're so well-trained that everything else should just come easily and naturally. But I would challenge that for most people. And then when it doesn't, we like beat up on ourselves and think we're idiots and think we're, oh my God, you know, and it's like, no, the, the problem is it just, it's not supposed to be easy. That's just not, that's not how life works. That's not how business works. And the truth is, you don't really learn how to do a lot of these things until you just go out and do it. And so you kind of have to have thicker skin and learn how to like get knocked down and get back up and figure out what you've learned from it and take another step forward and get knocked down and get back up and do it all over again. I fell prey to the same thing when I left my legal career. I thought, oh, I built this huge book of business in big law. I totally made it work. I had balanced down all these things. Like I was doing great. It'll be easy to start a coaching business. It'll be easy to like, <laughs> and no, it wasn't because there were all these things marketing wise and business development wise that I didn't have to do in the same way as a lawyer that I now have to do as a business owner on my own. So I think at every stage, there's something new. And what I've had to learn, and I'm sure you learned this, is you just got to embrace it, acknowledge that that is, it is what it is. And kind of turn that mindset around and say, okay, how can I find fun in this by just being excited by the challenge and learning new things? Because there's a lot of growth and learning to be done at every stage, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think for it, I would like to say that I was that evolved when I started my practice and went through those first few years, but it is through my work as a coach and also being uh, having coaches that I have really grown a lot. I've been, like I said, I'm in my ninth year of doing this. And when I started out, I I had no idea, you know, I was, I, I discovered coaching and I fell in love with it. And I, I had no idea all the ins and outs of it. And it's very interesting to me. I had a conversation with somebody yesterday, a, a woman attorney who's been an attorney for a long time. And she's talking to me and she's trying to figure out kind of what the evolution of her career is now because her partner's retiring and she's trying to make a decision about it, about what to do next. And she's got all these options. And that's Mm -hmm. where I was when I became an attorney. And then I split up with my partner and I was looking at, well, I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. I didn't, I didn't start out as a coach. It's not where I started. And she said to me something like, you know, she found out what I charge for private coaching. And then she goes, do you enjoy what you do? Maybe I'll do what you do. And I was like, you know, and I'm, I hope she does, right? Because I'm sure she will impact a lot of people's lives by sharing her experience. But I will say, we think that the level of experience happens overnight and it doesn't. It happens from putting in the work, doing the work, like you said, getting knocked down, having successes, having failures, having, uh, having life happen. Sometimes life happens and you just change. I have personal things in my life that happened. And those personal things caused me to 
make different choices because of what I was doing while it was working in my business and we were growing and we were making money and it was going, you know, we, I had a partner, we were hiring people, we had systems, all these things were sort of happening, but something happened in my personal life that really threw me off. And I, I, it was that that caused me to sort of step away and rethink and say, okay, what is it that I really want? And it, and that was not an overnight uh, revelation. Oh, uh, it never is, right? I believe, yeah. And one thing I've learned is that clarity, we want clarity. We want, we want to be clear so we can move forward and make a decision. But clarity comes from taking action. You take action and then you go, oh, I didn't like that. Or, oh, I did like that. And that's where you sort of know, then you have an, a le- new level of clarity, an epiphany, a light bulb moment. And then that lets you take that next step. Action is so critical and so underestimated. The way we learn things is to step into it, step into the messy middle. Yeah. And you've highlighted two really important points here. Number one, there's no such thing as this perfectly linear path in life. Like I think and lawyers are really bad about thinking, this is my vision for 10, 15, 20 years down. And they assume that it's going to be the stair-step linear path. It's going to just happen the way they imagine without ever considering that life gets in the way, circumstances get in the way, and that you're going to change your vision and what you even want along the way too because of all of those things. You change as a person. You change as a person. Yeah. And so it's really critical to understand that so that you can check in with yourself regularly and make sure you're still on the right path for you. Because you may be on the path you decided 10 years ago, but it may not actually be the right path for you anymore. (laughs) That's number one. And then also this whole, you know, concept of clarity. And I, it's crazy how many clients come to me and say, well, I don't even know what I want anymore you know, help me figure it out. And they think that taking a couple of assessments and talking to me about it is going to poof, create this epiphany. That's not how it works, y'all. You have to actually then go out and say, okay, well, I think maybe this might be something I'm interested in. Try it out. And like take action, as you said, because you do not get clarity just by thinking about it. You have to go out and do things and figure out, is this right? Is this not? And, you know, understand and in lawyers, this is really hard because we perceive that as failure a lot of times. Like, well, I'm going to take action, assuming that's the right thing, and six, 12 months down the road, realize it's not. That's not failure as long as you've learned something from it and you move forward differently based on what you know to be best in that moment. And that's really, that's what living is all about. My husband, when I became an attorney, I was trying to decide if I was going to start my own you know, practice it, because a lot of people, I was getting a lot of naysayers who were telling me, don't do that, you know, and go get a job and all of these things. But he was very supportive of being an entrepreneur himself. He said something to me that was very wise right at the beginning. And he said, Davina, you, so if you go do this for a while and it fails, so what? He says, you'll, you'll get a job. You'll start something else. You'll do something else. He says, if you look at the lifespan of attorneys who've been practicing for 20, 30 years, for many of them, you will see a lot of you know, changes. Uh, uh, One of my mentors was a woman I admired so much, had her own uh, practice, but she had had her own practice. She had partners in a practice. She left that practice. She went to work as an associate for a larger firm, and then she went back out on her own. Her whole career had a lot of different stages in it, 
And she moved based on what she felt she needed at that time. And I think we we get locked into thinking. I mean, we don't live in a world now where people stay in jobs for you know, 30 years of retiring, get the gold watch. Uh, and I grew up with parents who did that. They worked for the government. That was the thing was to get that steady paycheck. So to be an entrepreneur and say, I'm going to go chase my own dream and I'm going to sell, you know, I'm going to sell legal services or I'm going to sell coaching services or I'm going to go and do this and be responsible for my own paychecks. That was, that was a very scary thing for them or me. You know, they, worried about me and all of that. And I had a lot of people around me who are, or a lot of other attorneys who said, oh, you know, like when I started my virtual firm in 2011, uh, that was not a thing then. We didn't have the tools and things that we do now. 2011, I, I virtual was telephone and email. And I had a, a man who was, uh, you know, been practicing 15 years or so say to me, oh, your clients aren't going to like that. You can't do that. Your clients aren't going to like that. You're going to find that out fast. And then he said, you know, I've got space in my office building that I own if you want to rent. Because what he was trying to do is get me to rent space and cover his nuts, right? So he had an agenda. But I had a lot of people say things to me that were similar, you know, kinds of things. You can't do that. That won't work, you know. And some things worked and some things didn't. Right. You know, but you have to try it to know to know if it is going to. And right. you, know, you said something interesting earlier. You said that um, attorneys aren't entrepreneurial. But I, what, what is very interesting is I just heard a statistic. I read an article. I think it was this morning, actually, where they're in Florida, where I am. There are over 100,000 lawyers, like 110,000 plus lawyers. And 75% of those are in private practice. And of that 75%, 75% of those are solos and small firms with employees under 10 employees. So I think there are a large number of uh, attorneys who are entrepreneurial either because they can't find their dream job because they didn't graduate the top 5% of the class. So we're the 95% and we got to go work somewhere, right? So it's government or you start your own, hang out your own shingle. So you may not start out entrepreneurial, but I do think that when you start your own business, you you have to become that. And I think people do become that, you right? Do. Once they experience what it's like. Absolutely. And, but what I find, though, is that a lot of them go kicking and screaming at first, and they don't accept that they're truly entrepreneurs. And I would even argue right. that private practice attorneys who are at big law firms need to have an entrepreneurial mindset to be fully successful because that is what enables you to go out on a limb and do things your way and build the practice you want the way you want without getting caught up in what everybody else does. And when you do it that way, you can be more successful. When I say successful, I mean, you know, make the money you want while also having whatever life you want and not being, you know, fully, uh, not being so unbalanced as a lot of the private practice big law attorneys tend to get, right? Because you can do it that way. And I know it because I did it. And I know people who do it. It's just a very small subset of us that seem to do it that way. But if you do not embrace that mentality, you won't be able to do it for yourself. And so I think a lot are forced into it and don't even acknowledge that's what it is, but it is what it is. 
And once you realize it and you fully embrace it, you can go even farther, faster, and stop holding yourself back. So I think it's important, yeah, that we've highlighted that and made that, you know, if you are an attorney out there in private practice, start accepting that you're an entrepreneur as well. <laughs> you you kind of have your own okay. business. And once you start thinking of things that way, you'll start seeing things a little bit differently that can open up a lot of doors. Something, um, so, okay, let's get to your coaching practice. So you were practicing for a while and you decided to uh, go into coaching. Were you always, currently you are coaching primarily, is it small and solo mostly? lawyers or who do you coach? It's women law firm owners, women law firm owners who want to scale to and through a million dollars. So they are, they're solos or they're small firms um, and they're wanting to grow and transition to being a larger firm and to, you know, make more money. And the million dollars, is just a, it's just a peg on the journey. It's not be all end all because a lot of my clients, obviously, once they go over a million, then we're going to 2 million, we're going to 5 million, we're moving up into in the ranks. But it, it is that first marker that seems to be a mental hurdle yep. for people. You know, I think you, I think we can get to six figures pretty quickly as an attorney, but it's that six figure to seven figure, you know, yep. mark where you're where a lot of people go, oh my gosh, I don't know how to do this, right? And what got you, you can get six figures. I have people who've gotten all the way to half a million with them on a paralegal just working their butts off. Whereas a point there where you're like, you really want a balanced life or you want a life at all outside of your work, you really need to start doing some other things to get you to that yep. next level. So my coaching, when I opened my second practice as a virtual firm, I was doing a lot of networking and doing sort of the traditional kinds of things to, to get business. And I sort of narrowed the focus of my practice. I got invited by a an attorney colleague of mine who also is one of my mentors. She invited me to a big coaching event. And I went with her to this big coaching event and it blew my mind. I mean, it was just spraying information at you with a fire hose, all these great mm-hmm. high energy presentations. I did not get out of that program what I had hoped to get out of that program, but I realized it was because I it was what you talked about earlier, where you don't really know what you want to do and you got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. While I'm going through this, I'm trying to sort of figure things out and figure out exactly what I want to be when I grow up. You know, what is it? What is it? What are the elements that I want to have in my life that are going to make me happy? And so I didn't get what I thought I would get out of that program, but it opened the world of coaching to me. And also, I I learned a lot that then later, you know, I remembered that I can right. apply later. And my God, then I, then I hired a one-on-one coach and she really, uh, it was life-changing for me because she really helped me address limiting beliefs and my mindset issue around money, my mindset issue around business, all these things I thought were true. You know, things like if I want it done right, I have to do it myself that very modern statement, you know, things that, and these are things that we may not are, you know, we may not think consciously about, but we surely say them. Well, I tried to hire somebody, but you know, they screwed it up. And if I want it done right, I'm going to have to do it myself. Right. Or, you know, um, I can't, I don't have time. It's quicker for me to do it myself than to teach somebody else to do it. Right. 
she really helped me like loosen my grip. I had like a death grip on a belief system mm-hmm. uh, of, you know, as, as attorneys, you know, we also think we're sort of smarter than the average bear. You know, we have all this knowledge and education and we're highly educated and we should know these things. But I had to really release the grip on these beliefs um, that I had because they were keeping me stuck and they were harming me because it was mm-hmm. that what you were talking about earlier about being self-critical and beating yourself up. I wasn't achieving what I wanted to. It wasn't I didn't have this figured out like I thought I did all of these things. And so she really helped me learn to give myself some grace. Mm-hmm. Right. In that, which was a huge, huge gift. And I'm forever grateful for her for that. Really, her gift was that kind of like, man, like, let's not take it so seriously. Let's let go, you know, let's re- release a little bit of this angst. And I ultimately wound up hiring a third coach after being with her for a while. And he was, is really a, a systems guy and a much more, you know, he, methods and systems and Mm-hmm. And also sure. um, uh, a learning about leverage and the power of leverage. I don't think he calls mm-hmm. it that, but I call it that. It's the power of leverage. And and really, that is what takes you from trying to do everything yourself. I call it hashtag do all the things. And I find yep. women in particular yep. are guilty of this. We're, we're the nurturers. We're the doers. We do 90% of the mental load in our families and and so we're just jumping in and we're doing it. You, you've ever heard the saying, if you want something done, ask a busy woman to do it. It's that kind of thing. And so this idea of leveraging and how we're limited, if we're trying to make money by the hour, hour after hour, well, it's only so many hours in a day that we can provide yep. by ourselves. So many, you know, days of the week, so many months of the year, you know, like we're limited, right? So how do you leverage? Because that's really how you rise above and beyond what you yourself can do as an individual. So to me, that was the my sort of my personal journey. And I started the business, though, kind of going back to my marketing roots. And I was working with professional service businesses because I had a whole career in marketing, professional services, marketing, mm-hmm. before I became a lawyer. And I kind of wanted to combine that sort of strategic thinking and analytical skills I learned as a lawyer with, you know, my marketing. And I was trying to sort of figure that out. And I started out doing because it's what we, what I do. You know, I start out with, oh, I'm going to help people build websites and do their marketing and their SEO and their whatever. And I'm a copywriter and I'll write things. And very quickly, I just, I was like, no, that's going backward for me. And I don't want to do that. And I realized when I was having conversations with business owners, uh, professional service business owners, that they were doing these sorts of things because they didn't really know what they didn't have a plan. They didn't have a strategic plan. They didn't really know why they were doing the things they were doing. Somebody just said, you need to be on Facebook or you need a website or you need a whatever. (laughs) And so I said, okay, no, no, no. We need to take my, you know, strategic and my Clifton Strengths analysis, like the top three are strategic. That's I'm a strategic sort of thinker. And so I said, I'm going to apply this strategic gift and I'm going to help these people figure out a strategy. Like, let's get a plan and then you can figure out why you're doing what you're doing. And I started that out first as a way of sort of helping me help them, you know, like helping them help me get stuff done for them that they wanted done. Because I need to know, like, what's your end game here? What's your plan? 
And then that evolved to just, I very quickly just said, you know, I'm out of the doing. This is something that I need to, the thing I'll be doing is helping people with their, uh, develop a a strategy because Mm -hmm. they didn't have strategies. They didn't know how to start there, you know, because most attorneys, we start, we're technicians. You know, if you've ever read the E-Myth, we start out, we're technicians and we're technicians who go hang out a shingle. And we want to stay technicians. Well, once you hang out a shingle, you have made a commitment to everyone who signs a contract with you that you are going to run a profitable, successful business that they can mm-hmm. rely on to be there for them. Well, now you've taken on a whole different level of responsibility. And so you've learned how to think like a lawyer. Now you have to learn how to think like a CEO. Lawyers a bit more risk-taking and it requires the ability to have a greater expanded capacity for risk-taking and for making quick decisions and not sitting there, you know, belaboring something for weeks, days, and months, you know, because you can't make a decision because you have to see from every angle first, which is like lawyers think, right? Yeah. So we had to learn a different way of thinking. And so that's sort of what led me to this. And the reason it ultimately, I ultimately niched down was because the vast majority of my clients over time became law firm owners and particularly women law firm owners. They've been following my journey. They see, they saw what I did mm-hmm. and they wanted to know how I did it. When I started doing this, there weren't as many people targeting women lawyers. As people started joining the fray, other attorneys said, oh, I'm going to be an attorney coach and started joining the fray. They were branding and naming in a way that identified to law firms. I'm here to help you specifically. Mm-hmm. And so I, I realized I needed to follow my own advice in marketing, which is that you need to create cocktail party syndrome. So when you're, you know, if you've ever been to a cocktail party and somebody has said your name and you just whip around automatically, like we hear our yep. name out of a crowded room. I wanted my prospective client when they heard my company name, I wanted them to go, oh, she's talking to me. She's calling my name, right? And so that's how I developed the Wealthy Woman Lawyer brand, because I wanted them to know I'm talking to you and I can help you solve this problem. So a couple of things that I think are important from that. Number one, it's a perfect example of clarity doesn't come until you act, right? So you've morphed over time as you continue to take action. Perfect example. I would say, I mean, that's like me when I started, when I left, I did not think I wanted to work with lawyers. And I spent my first two years not working with lawyers as a coach. I thought I just wanted to work uh, with women who were needing more balance. And over time, lawyers started coming to me because of my background and what I had done. And it just kind of morphed kind of organically. And then I finally embraced it and realized, yeah, this is really what I want to do. And I'll be honest, I bet five years from now, I'm not doing the exact same thing, right? I mean, I think over time, we just morph and we change. So it's funny because you talk about rebranding. I got to figure out a way how to deal with course correction coaching because that is my website and my name. And it really doesn't fit what I do anymore. I will tell you, for me, it was, um, you're talking about pain and learning things. It was uh, the one step forward, two steps back kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. so when I came to this realization, it took about a year to fully roll it out, fully do every, you know, move all the pieces and parts and get it. But part of it was, I also wanted to position it so that people realize it's not just me. 
Like I do with one-on-one coaching, I do coach my clients one-on-one and I do this. It's not a good scale model at all, but I do it because I absolutely love it. But for me, I also, my scale model, my leverage model is creating a course and community to serve more women law firm owners who are not at a stage where private coaching feels attainable for them but they're needing support in those early years when they're going from the hundred to a quarter million to a half million, you know, they're needing some support during that time, but private coaching feels out of reach. And so I wanted to create something that would be a place for them. And so I developed a community. I developed a course. I have uh, right now one other coach who helps coach in that community. I will be adding more to that. So we will have more of a collective experience Mm -hmm. than it just being a me experience. Already, I found that to be highly impactful and very expansive because even my private clients, I I used to do um, quarterly in-person workshops and the pandemic happened. And Mm -hmm. um, I, it was costly to do quarterly in-person workshops, costly for me, costly for people traveling because you have clients all over the country. And so I started when the pandemic happened, I start, I knew I knew my clients needed extra support as well. So I started doing a group coaching call in addition to my meetings one-on-one with different yep. clients. And we do that monthly. And what that has created is so powerful because it's not just Davina supporting me. It is all of this group of high-achieving women who are coming together and they're they're in a similar spot in their journey. And it's the same thing with the league members. My private clients also are participate in the league and they are there to, you know, they're it's they're aspirational for people who are not there yet on their journey, who are, you know, a little younger, a little started their firm a little later or whatever it is. And but the league group has also had that same powerful impact because those people show up and they're there and they get to know each other and network and support each other. And, and they're coming as that mastermind experience. So in addition to being getting coached by me and my other coach, they're also getting the benefit and experience of other women lawyers. And that is so key. So key. I mean, it's why I do the mastermind as well that I do for my clients, because I think a lot of times lawyers are afraid to say anything to other lawyers, especially in their own firms. They don't want to admit what they're struggling with and what they're, you know. And so when you can get into a situation where you're with other people not in your firm who are struggling with the same things and you see that you're not a unicorn, you're not the only one, and it is normal, and then you open up more, then you get more creative thinking and brainstorming and you can get past those struggles and problems so much more quickly. And I think it's an example of the word you like to use, which I also love, is leveraging. You're leveraging other people just like as you grow a practice, you need to learn to leverage other people below you and, you know, within your practice, right? That was another thing I wanted to highlight is that leveraging. Something I don't love that a lot of, I've heard some attorneys say, especially male attorneys, you got to spend money to make money. And there is something to that. Yes, you do need to invest in yourself. You do need to invest in people. You need to invest in things. But when you only think in those terms without thinking how to leverage You can throw money away thinking spending money is automatically going to give you something, but you need to learn how to leverage what you're spending money on. (laughs) (laughs) You you make a great point because it is not, uh, you, 
you definitely you definitely need to invest in any sort of uh, let's let's say you you want your you have your own law firm and you want to um, grow it into an asset one day that you may be able to sell or you may be able to retire and you're still receiving benefits from it. I had a conversation with an attorney who has for years had a solo practice and she referred to her business as an asset. And I, I, I had to give her a hard to swallow pill is what I call it. And that is, it's not an asset because if you can't sell it on the open market and unless you're going with the deal, you're not going to be able to sell your book of business because half your clients are going to leave. Your investor is going to be disappointed. So I look at your business as an asset. We don't, uh, we don't expect returns if we in from the stock market if we don't invest in the stock market. We don't expect returns from real estate if we don't invest in real estate. How can you expect returns from your law firm business if you're not investing in it? So that is time, energy, and money, right? So that's time. Yep. One say time, energy, treasure, right? So it it does require an investment. However, I think where people get confused is they think if I throw money at the problem then I'm investing and and there is no guarantee of a return, just like there's no guarantee of a return in the stock market. There's no guarantee of return in real estate. There's no guarantee of return in any investment. There is volatility, there is risk, but I think one of your best bets, and for those of you who know John Morgan, uh, uh, Morgan and Morgan, he's he's got a national law firm. He's huge down here in, in Florida, a hometown guy for us. I, in one of his books I read, he said, I invest in me. The best investment I make is in me. And I really believe that in, in investing in your knowledge. And, and as I've said before, you know, people can't take away from you what you learn. So when you learn, you, nobody can take that away from you. Nobody can take away that college education, the law school education, the experience you've had in running a business and all the skills you've learned, anything that you get out of coaching, once you have it, it's yours and nobody can take it away. And so you are investing in yourself. And when you invest in yourself, you are you are becoming the person who can be a CEO. When mm-hmm. you first start out, it's not something that's an overnight thing, just like being a an experienced high profile lawyer is not an overnight thing. It's something that we evolve into. We become those people. And when I started my own law firm, I we didn't have this kind of community. I wish I had had the resources that are available now. I see all of these young attorneys starting their practices, and there's so many groups on Facebook, and there's so many attorney coaches, and there's so many programs from all different kinds of coaches that can help you in all aspects of your business. So what a tremendous opportunity if you are willing to put in the effort and uh, be yes. that, that learner. And I Nothing have a question. Nothing is worse than what? having somebody come to you saying, well, what can you guarantee? And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I can help give you. I'm going to show up and do what I said I was going to do. The That's insight- what I need, ask the right questions, help give you the strategy, but you still got to do the work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can guarantee I'm going to show up and do this. I'm, I have integrity. I guarantee I'm going to show up and do what do what I said I was going to do. But you can, uh, well, I learned this when we, um, my husband and I owned a high performance fitness training facility for a number of years. And one of the things we learned in 
physically, you know, training people in fitness was we can only care as much as you do. Like, mm-hmm. and, and where we get into trouble as lawyers, as coaches, as fitness coaches, as business coaches, as any kind of, is when we try to take on somebody else's problems as though there are and abdicate them. You know, they, they no longer have the responsibility of the thing because we've taken it on. That's called codependency. And that's not where we want to be. We want boundaries and we want to say, I'm going to do my part and you need to do your part but I cannot care any more about your problems than you do. So if you don't care, then there's, then there's limits to what I can do because I literally, I can't step into your body like some ghost spirit and make you go do a thing. Right. So it, it really is self accountability. And somebody asked me this morning, I was presenting in a webinar and an attorney asked me, how do you, how do you tell, how, how do you help people like find time, you know, to do this? What do you tell busy lawyers <laughs> to find time? And I said, and I gave another hard to swallow pill. And that is, is that you prioritize the time you choose. And I said, you can show me your bank book and your schedule, your calendar, and I will tell you what you prioritize. Yep. I hate and, to break it to you. There's no thing as finding time. You get to choose what to do with your time. (laughs) It's a choice. And sometimes, you know, I will say I've had uh, parents of young children uh, work with me, and it is a particularly big challenge. But what they don't understand is they already have made a very big commitment. And the Mm -hmm. timing isn't always right for people. Uh, especially if one parent more than the other is sort of responsible for the children. Uh, So I have had some people who struggle with that. So you do realize, you know, you do have to realize there's already a commitment that's been made and, you know, you can overcommit yourself to things. That said, even if you're not able to a hundred percent participate in everything, I mean, I offer, I'm sure you do too. I offer a lot of opportunities to get support. I mean, there's, there's group stuff, there's, you know, there's a course, there's one-on-one, there's all kinds of different podcast. ways to support the podcast. Yeah. I've written two books. Um, I'm putting out content on a bunch of different social media. There's all kinds of ways to get support. And I know from the experience of being on the other side that that can feel like being sprayed with a fire hose. And that can be like, oh my God, there's too much, right? But that's where you have to let yourself just give yourself grace and say, I don't have to get everything that Davina teaches out of this program, memorized and internalized. If I get one or two gold nuggets that transform some aspect of my life, my beliefs, my thinking, and helps me elevate my vibration and kind of expand to the next level, that is well worth it because it is cumulative. It's like compound interest you will continue to build on that and build on that and build on that with every experience you have with people who are mentors and coaches and who, you know, people who share their experiences with you. So don't feel like, oh my gosh, if I can't, it's not like when you're studying, trying to pass a test and you got to know it all, cram it all in. It, It literally is, you get to pick and choose what helps you the most. In that moment, and what 
what is truly the most important thing in any given moment, in a given day, given season. And I think this is a good place to end it because what you've really highlighted is there are different seasons to life. And there are different times in your life where your different things are going to be more important, right? And so early in your career, when you first get started, if you don't have kids yet, maybe you want to go crazy for five years and just head down, work as much as possible. Then you have children, different things take priority. And that's totally okay. That doesn't mean you've stepped back forever or you can't still do the things you want. You may just be on a different timeline now because of where your life is. And then guess what? Kids grow up and leave, and then you have all this expansive time again. <laughs> Your life is not over. So. And life is not over. I know we tend to think it is, but life is not over. We we have, you know, I'm in my mid-50s, and, you know, I've had a lot of different career experiences, a lot of different jobs before, you know, I put myself through college, and I worked to do that. And all of those things, you know, make you who you are today. So I think just really not... It, it, if you're not living what you thought that you would be living in the moment, a couple of pieces of advice. One is don't beat yourself up over it because if you think everybody's got it figured out, we don't. Everybody's figuring out their own thing. We may have some things figured out, but I assure you there are other things that we're still going, okay, what? And the other yep. thing is, is that you get to choose, like you said before, you get to choose and you can change. And and you can be a lawyer in many different ways. You don't have to be a lawyer in that traditional paper chase way that we grew up with, you know, where we saw this or Matlock way or L.A. law way or whatever show, whatever area you're in, that you, Allie McBeal, whatever it is that you grew up watching and, and seeing as being an attorney, you get to you get to pick and you may be a very different person now than you were when you were younger and you may have different wants and needs. And it's okay for you to stop and say, wait a minute, is this, am I living a life where every day I get up and I enjoy my life? I, I love being around the people I'm around. I feel fulfilled. I, I get to take care of myself mentally and physically and emotionally. Those are the things that, and if, and if you can, you can do those, you will, the money part, we can figure out, right? Yeah. But that is you know, that is really you being able to sort of make the choice about I'm unhappy doing it this way. I need to explore alternatives. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for being here today. This was an awesome conversation. I could see bringing you back in the future. So where can people find you if they want to seek you out? Well, so the probably the easiest thing to do is go to wealthywomanlawyer.com. It's pretty easy to remember wealthywomanlawyer.com. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Wealthy Woman Lawyer. You can catch the Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast on your favorite podcast app. And then uh, also you can, uh, I am on Facebook. I have a group there. And you can also connect with me on LinkedIn as well. Wonderful. Awesome. And I will put all of those links in the show notes. So it's just a click away. Okay there. I hope that you enjoyed my interview with Davina. I certainly enjoyed this conversation. It was rich. There was a lot to it. Uh, There's a lot of tidbits for you to pick up from our conversation and from her story in particular. One thing of note is we were actually going to talk (laughs) about scaling and why she believes scaling to a million and beyond is so important. 
and the relationship with that and taking financial responsibility and having financial security. And because we never really got into that because we ended up on a whole other conversation that I personally believe was meant to be for this time period, I expect to have her back sometime later this season or early in season three. So be on the lookout for her if you enjoyed this conversation. All right, that's it for this week. We will be talking next week. Bye for now. Are you tired of barely squeezing life in thinking, shouldn't there be more to life than this? Do you want to get to the next level, but without losing yourself in the process? Are you ready to start thinking and doing differently so that you can stop doing the same things over and over and over, hoping for a different result? If any of this speaks to you and you're ready to do something about it starting now, book a call with me to find out how I can help. Go to lifeandlawpodcast.com forward slash free call.